Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's the Cultaholic.com Wrestling Top 10. What? What is that, you weirdo? Well, it's all right. I'll explain. We're here talking about some of the biggest news stories of the month. And this is something that we will end every month of the calendar year with. Who's we? Well, it'd be me, Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, former Cultaholic heavyweight champion, the advocate for Pablo, the former Cultaholic heavyweight champion, Tom Campbell. And I am with uh, one of the head pens of Cultaholic, the editor-in-chief of cultaholic.com hail to the tribal chief that is mitch wadden former hammer mitch wadden hello mitch how you doing hello tom very good day to you thank you so much for that kind intro that's oh a, you're too good to that's me. a very british hello hello I'm, hello there hello. it comes out occasionally sometimes a proper i feel very english sometimes it's it, it's a nice way I, to in, I think you might be the most English person that works here. Do you think so? I just just from okay. just from some of the the discourse that you and I have had on the podcast feed mm-hmm. and hearing you chatting with Sam on the news the mm-hmm. other day, I think you might be the most British person that ever lived. <laughs> ever? See, I think ever. I, I, I hear a lot. I'm from Somerset originally, and people tell me you wouldn't know. Now the thing is, I know you're from Somerset by the way you said Somerset. <laughs> Somerset. The way you said Somerset, let me know that you're actually from Somerset. I'm actually from Somerset. Put a couple of ciders in me. You will definitely know I'm from Somerset. So anyone listening in America, by Somerset, we mean pirates. <laughs> and anything that side of the country is pirates. So for th- anything down there, far- farmers and pirates. I know a lot of people are listening to this, going, "What? What is editor in chief cartaholic.com? That's not a thing. You're not Adam Pacitti or Jack. Who is Mitch Wadden? So you're from Somerset originally. Um, I am. Tell us a bit about yourself, Mitch. So I like long walks on the beach. And, no, wait, that's the wrong video. Uh, <laughs> I am an Alcott. No, that's the wrong video. <laughs> that's the wrong meeting, mate. Mm. So I'll try again. Uh, I came to the Cultaholic family at the start of the year, the night after Royal Rumble, actually. It felt like a very much a WrestleMania return sort of angle, but I've stayed after WrestleMania and you're stuck <laughs> with me. Sorry. Um, yeah, so I joined the, the company at the beginning of February. And as editor-in-chief, my primary responsibility is to make sure that our content on coldholic.com is first off legal, uh, is of good quality, there is good quantity of it, that we are scheduling it, that we are utilizing 
proper SEO, uh, which is search engine optimization. Squirrels eating on. oranges. We, we need to make sure we have ample squirrels eating oranges That's on coldplay.com at all times. <laughs> Otherwise, the website completely falls apart. <laughs> but Tom, as you know, over the last couple of months, my role has changed slightly as well. There's been some social media in there. I'm doing some more stuff with you and with Sam on the news video. So there's a lot going on, but it's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying being here with you guys. Ah, oh, bless you. It's nice to have you here. So we're going to get together every month, you and I, at the end of every month, and we're going to go through some of the big news stories uh, that rocked and shocked cultaholic.com. Uh, I say, we waste no more time and start with the first one. This Sunday at WrestleMania, they're getting the best damn Daniel Bryan that they've ever seen. The most dangerous Daniel Bryan that they've ever seen. The same Daniel Bryan that tapped out the untappable Roman Reigns. The same Daniel Bryan that will kick Edge's head in despite his neck. This is a Daniel Bryan with fire in his eyes and fire in his heart. And I am willing to do anything. Which leads me to one Last question. Can Daniel Bryan walk out of the main event of WrestleMania as Universal Champion? Yes. 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 Seems like a million years ago since we talked about this. Daniel Bryan is gone from WWE. So what happened here then, Mitch? Yes, our first news story of the podcast. And it was the biggest news story at the start of the month. It was reported at the start of May by Fightful Select that Daniel Bryan's WWE contract had expired following his Universal Championship match with Roman Reigns on the April 30th episode of SmackDown. Reports over Brian's future had been mounting for a little while. Brian himself had been openly talking about a desire to step away from full-time wrestling in WWE and potentially even wrestle different names in other promotions. Many believe that Brian's contract with the E had a little bit longer to run, but the April expiration has caught many people, both inside and outside of WWE, by surprise. Brian himself has not commented on this since leaving SmackDown on April 30th. Now, Daniel Bryan's future has been speculated by everyone and their dog at this point. I thought that maybe by now we might have had an indication as to uh, what he is doing next. But uh, I'd like to throw us to cultaholic.com to uh, a cracking article written by Jack Atkins called Fantasy, Logical, Dubious, Wildcard. Daniel Bryan's next career move in which he talks about some of those potential routes that Daniel Bryan might take. Uh, the fantasy route being returning to the indie scene, uh, maybe lighting things back up as part of, of Ring of Honor as Bryan Danielson turning up in GCW to mix it up with Nick Gage, maybe rocking up to the impact zone, a, a run in New Japan. Daniel Bryan as a free agent hitting those independent shows and beyond is a, oh, it's a mouthwatering proposition, isn't it, Mitch? Oh my goodness. Can you just, you said them there. Some of the matches, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson 
on the independent scene could have are they would make anyone's year, any wrestling fans' year. It would be so much fun to see the return of Brian Danielson into some of those uh, into some of those independent promotions, particularly after his uh, his very lengthy run with WWE. You feel like that's where his heart really is, as much fun as he's had in WWE, uh, and that would completely tie into to the indications we've had from him on, on what he wants to do next. It would be a lighter schedule. And imagine the uh, the rub he would be giving these independent stars by going down and, and wrestling them. It would be an amazing thing to see. It would. It, but there, an, another another an obvious an obvious one that has come out of this. I think we've seen shares in Cody Cupping Ear GIF go up <laughs> since Daniel Bryan's <laughs> announcement. As uh, as lots of conversations about Bryan Danielson being all all elite. Now, as we're recording this, we're recording this just a couple of days ahead of AEW Double or Nothing. So if he's debuted during the Casino Battle Royale, Mitch, you and I have probably redone this bit. But <laughs> as as it stands, those conversations are very quiet on Daniel Bryan. Um, nothing mentioned by any party. Do you, do, it seems like an obvious question, but but do you think Daniel Bryan slash Bryan Danielson would, would take a run in AEW? I think it's an obvious question with a not obvious answer i think it's one of those where it's a yes with an if and a no with a but yeah but no so yeah but no but (laughs) yeah completely i could see brian danielson in AEW. do i think it's going to happen my personal opinion is no um because i i don't believe that uh run with all elite wrestling would potentially conform to what brian has made clear he's looking for next um there are some incredible fancy matchups i would love to see there brian omega being the most obvious i'd love to see brian jericho go at it again give me brian darby allen every day of the week yes please and thank you um but i i i don't think that's the most likely outcome of course i again like i said we, we're recording this a couple of days before double or nothing so we may need to re-record this bit first thing Monday morning if he did turn up. If he did turn up, you've never heard this bit. Think about that. No, this never lost to the annals of time. The, the the obvious the obvious one is is a return to WWE. I think a lot of people were speculating that SummerSlam would be a, a great time to bring back Daniel Bryan. But with, with the announcement at, on, on the day of recording of John Cena potentially headlining SummerSlam, you, you kind of think that that might not be something on the cards anymore because I feel like a, a Name return like Daniel Bryan being part of that show, you wouldn't need you wouldn't need a John Cena as well, would you? What do you, what do you think? It depends on how big WWE wants to go, and every indication is SummerSlam this year is going to be. I don't I don't want to overhype it, but it's going to be a WrestleMania esque SummerSlam in terms of the names involved. We're going to see some names involved that we didn't see at WrestleMania, as reports are of John Cena, and we'll get to John Cena a little later. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel Bryan on the SummerSlam card, excuse me, SummerSlam with Daniel Bryan is better than SummerSlam without Daniel Bryan. I, I would be interested to see where they put him on that card and if, if if that's the time for him to return to WWE. You know, at time of recording, he's been away from the promotion for about a month. SummerSlam would be in, a we reckon, six to eight weeks' time. So realistically, he would need to be returning in some form to WWE television in about four weeks to start building a SummerSlam match, even if that's not being on Raw or SmackDown himself, and they're just saying Daniel's coming back at, at SummerSlam, as they've done in the past with returning superstars. So conversations would have to start 
you know, relatively soon about a Daniel Brown. There would be, there would be, yeah, you'd start to see certainly hints on television in the next three or four weeks, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, now, the other thing to consider before we move on to the next topic, um, Daniel Bryan just a few days ago turned 40 years old. So Daniel Bryan is at a point where, whilst he has still got so much in the tank to give, so I'm not at all uh, suggesting that that it's his time because no, at 40, he can go better than some at 20 can go. But, I mean, the conversation is, you know, a guy that's had, you know, issues with his neck in the past and has kind of done everything he wants to do, certainly financially doesn't want for anything. Could another option be that... Daniel Bryan's next move is nothing and he simply retires from wrestling I wouldn't be surprised I wouldn't be surprised because Bryan has been so open and honest about this recent run in WWE being an extension to his career that he thought he would never have similar to an edge similar to a Christian we all thought his career was done and although Bryan himself kept fighting to get get his career back get back doing the thing he loves so much he did have to walk away from it, and there is no way he can't have considered since his return, uh, WrestleMania 34, if I remember correctly, since his return then, um, as anything more than a grace period, as a, as a really positive extension. Anything that happened in that run, his title run, for example, Kofi Mania being involved with that is all additional on top of the fact that he could wrestle again. You're right, Tom, he's 40. He's got a very young family that he wants to spend more time with, and I would not be surprised if Daniel Bryan just very quietly steps away and, and that's that's it for him. Somebody asked me last week, you know, what is this going to be like? And I said, I really haven't thought about it. You know, I got four kids. I got a bunch of jobs. I'm kind of just getting through the day. But now that we're actually here, like 8.03 when it hits, I'm like, this is going to be some kind of moment. And like you said, if I could tell my 10-year-old self who was a big fan of demolition and wrestling with my brother, I mean, it, it's going to be remarkable. But these, these WWE superstars are incredible athletes. They put together an incredible show. So I'm really grateful to just be a small part. Another departure from WWE, less of a of, of a lengthy run in this circumstance. Adnan Verk departs WWE Raw. It was a cup of coffee in the big time for Adnan Verk. What's the story, Mitch? Well, Tom, Adnan Verk is, as you say, gone from WWE. WWE confirmed on Tuesday, the 25th of May, that they had mutually agreed to part ways with the Raw play-by-play -play announcer. Burke took over as the play-by-play -play announcer on Monday Night Raw following WrestleMania 37 in April. But just six weeks and one day after WWE announced his appointment, he and the promotion have agreed to split. WWE announced that news in a very short 16-word statement published to their website on Tuesday. And then they would confirm the appointment of former UFC and Bellator MMA announcer Jimmy Smith as his replacement on the evening of Wednesday, the 26th of May. Adnan Verk lasted 43 days on Monday Night Raw. One of the shortest run uh, new additions to WWE. Do you realise at this point now that I think WWE Raw has been through 12 different announcers on Raw in the last five years? I didn't realise it was that many. That's that's insane. Uh, an incredibly high turnover. So, Ad oh Tom, you just Tom, you've just given me a, a quiz idea for the website. Oh God, okay. <laughs> Shortest times with W. I, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I haven't got a top ten out on that. Voice voiced by Adam Pacitti from Cultaholic.com. Um, let's let's go back to the start. The Adnan Verk uh, signing was. It took a few people by surprise, but but 
with WWE, they are so keen to, to bring in sort of more quote-unquote legitimized sports broadcasters for their sports entertainment product. And um, Adnan Verk's arrival, what, what did you make of his first... It's, it's not fair to judge because it was his first night, but what did you think of his first night on the job, Mitch? For a first outing, it wasn't bad. Mm. And there was always going to be difficulties. Let's keep in mind, Adam Burke is a sports commentator. He has done MLB, um, ESPN, all sorts of other sports networks. This was his first step into sports entertainment. That first night, yes, there were some hiccups. Yes, there were some moments where clearly Adam Burke didn't know the correct lingo or terminology. But he, he got through. And to be fair, credit there has to be given a little bit to Corey Grayson and Byron Saxton. Oh, God, yeah. They were they were out. great with him. They were they were they were so patient and they, they helped him out in so many ways. Um, specifically on that first night, I thought, OK, there's something there to work with. They, they need to give him some time, which they clearly haven't done. But there's something there that they can they can mould. This... What did you What did you think, Tom? Because I know he was very divisive. Double, divisive. double trouble. Uh, it was a, it was a famous call that he had in his short time there. Like I thought he was fine. He did like it. it in the in his first day, I thought he kind of he did all right. I think it was obvious that he wasn't a a through and through WWE fan. I think that you have to be to do that job. I think you've got. I think you can you can learn the product fine. But you, in order to really embed and do well, you've got to love the product. You've got to love wrestling, and you've got to you've you've got to love the whole setup of it. And I think that bringing in Adnan Vert, whilst it did provide that sort of sporty gravitas, it did put some new eyes on the product. I think that for, I th- I can't imagine that. Uh, so we'll get to the, we'll get to it later on. But I think listening to Adnan Vert call a zombie battle royal. Couldn't have been any more removed from some of the sports stuff that he's done in the past. And <laughs> this we've seen on quite we heard on quite a few occasions of guys who have jumped into this announcer's position and been sent running because Vince McMahon screeching in their ears for three hours just isn't a lovely time. This isn't the he isn't the first one, is he, Mitch? No, there's been. I mean, there's been there's been plenty. Mick Foley heard, comes we, to mind on that one, actually. Yeah. It was somebody that, that again is a passion. The opposite to Verk, it was it was like through and through a wrestling fan and a wrestler. But the Vince McMahon just shouting in his ear the whole time. He just went, nah, no chance, no chance. What, and I, I can't I can't blame them for that, and I don't I don't mean that with any any uh, negativity towards towards the product but that's a completely different way of working apologies my slack has decided to go a bit mad during this you can probably hear in the background <laughs> somebody's uh, popular someone's very popular um yeah look when you're a sports broadcaster i've been very lucky i did offer a little bit of behind the curtain on my career i've had the opportunity to call sport events in the past and be involved in that way i can't imagine how difficult that is when you have got the boss of the company literally shouting in your ear throughout the entire broadcast i wouldn't want to do it and i love professional wrestling i love wwe so for someone like adnan burke to come in and do it okay they perhaps don't know the product as well and you're right tom you have to live and breathe professional wrestling i think to do that job because there are only there are things related to wwe that you won't know if you weren't a fan at six or seven years old what are your thoughts on jimmy smith 
I'm going to be honest and say I don't know enough about him to offer an opinion as to his commentary. I think his appointment is very telling as to where WWE want to take their product, particularly Monday Night Raw. And I also think they've doubled down on that by reports, and it is only reports at time of recording, that they've let Tom Phillips go as well. Mm. That is, yeah, There's it certainly suggests that they want to take it in a a more sports-led way for this sports entertainment product. Jimmy Smith has a history with commentary, former UFC and Bellator MMA announcer, as you said earlier, Mitch. But uh, the interesting thing about Jimmy Smith, he talked about this on the Joe Rogan experience. Jimmy Smith uh, is predominantly a a color commentator, a color analyst. And uh, so the play-by-play role whilst he is something that he's not familiar with, he actually said on the Joe Rogan experience that the play-by-play role is, uh, is, a, is, a, is a much tougher role than a colour analyst because, you you know, you've got to be loose and fast with, with multiple different things. And you've got to know your way around the moves. Uh, but it's but the, play-by, the play-by-play role is weirdly... You'd assume that it would be a tougher way in, but the way Jimmy Smith said, like the play-by-play role is actually a better way to come in because you have to kind of learn the the, the moves and the, the setup of wrestling and you can let the other guys tell the story if this is done well. So Jimmy Smith seems to be, uh, as you say, an interesting choice and quite telling of the direction the company is going in. Mo- I wonder if uh, Jimmy Smith is uh, another Nick Khan appointment because all the stories suggested, well, it was confirmed by Burke himself that Nick Khan was the person that put him forward to WWE and, and was vouching for him going into the auditions. I wonder if uh, Jimmy Smith's obviously done stuff with WWE in the past. He worked with, uh, I think he did some pre-shows for NXT, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's obviously a known entity to WWE. I wonder if that's another Nick Khan vouch or if if Vince McMahon himself has seen what, what Jimmy can do. Well, Nick Khan is somebody that has had his fingerprints all over this month as he ties quite heavily into our next story. When you work the Lots of WWE releases throughout May, this time going beyond the ring. Not only have we seen stars from NXT let go, but also a major staff restructure is in progress. What's the story, Mitch? Yes, Tom, as you say, a lot going on in WWE in terms of releases, both in terms of superstars and backroom staff throughout the month. The releases of multiple NXT superstars were reported uh, by numerous outlets uh, on May 19th, the likes of Alexander Wolfe, uh, Vanessa Bourne, uh, Skylar Story, Ezra Judge were all let go. Uh, reports also regarding Velveteen Dream. Um, we're going to talk about him separately in a little bit. Uh, once again, WWE cited budget cuts uh, to their talent as the reason behind their departures. This was the same explanation that was given to the main roster talent, such as Samoa Joe, let go in April. Uh, the promotion then followed this up on Tuesday the 25th of May with mass redundancies across multiple departments in a reported effort to streamline their internal resources. Uh, over 35 individuals based in WWE's main offices have reportedly lost their jobs. That number drastically increases to around 60 when the layoffs from WWE studios and their international departments are also taken into account. A further report that came out uh, overnight on Thursday the 27th of May 
suggests that these streamlined departments now sit under the leadership of Kevin Dunn in a new division simply titled WWE Media. A lot of notable backstage names gone from the company this week in this mass layoff that Mitch just talked about then. Uh, I'll give you some of those names. Brian Pelagato, the Senior Vice President of Production, who's been with the company for just under a decade. He came over from ESPN and he's rose through the ranks there. Xavier Woods put out a really lovely tweet saying that uh, he really helped him hone his character off screen uh, and helped him get on screen as a result of that. James Workman was a content director for WWE for over 11 years he was one of those guys who worked as a multimedia producer long before the social media era came along Uh, and he's been he got promoted to content director in february of last year then the pandemic hit and oh it all went a bit weird after that adam kirshner the manager of media and metadata operations has gone after 15 years with the company he was guiding the early days of wwe.com and the youtube channel uh, way before it was the monster that it is today he was a big part of relaunching the wwe network and that consequent and that subsequent migration to peacock as well uh, jay rosenstock the evp of international uh, as mitch said there another one of these departments that has now uh, been stripped back and is under streamlined management he along with many other notable people uh, from offices around the world uh, are gone from the company uh, wwe studios took a very heavy cut deadline.com reported uh, that there were cuts to the film tv and digital divisions one person telling PW Insider it was, quote, a bloodbath for that division. They've still got a film coming out next year, Rumble, uh, the animated movie. We, we may get that come out. Um, one of the more heartbreaking uh, things from this was the, 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 the destruction, pretty much, of the advanced media group. AMG was something that was built within WWE uh, as a project unto itself. That division divided up, pretty much ended uh, after winning awards for some of the content they've put out through WWE. Uh, PW Insider say there was a brief call within the Human Resources Department uh, saying everybody who remained, as said by Mitch, would report to Kevin Dunn in the television department. A lot of other people uh, will be now reporting to Nick Khan, who has who is overseeing so much more of what WWE is putting out. Uh, I, I do love this one, Mitch. That there was a bit of gallows humor on the day, according to PW Insider. Just last week, there was a company email sent out offering bonuses for employee referrals within WWE. Uh, and many people now considering to just refer themselves for a job. That's uh, heartbreaking stuff. Do we know any sort, of, any sort of details on why we had so many releases in such a, a short amount of time within WWE HQ, Mitch? Yeah, so the reported reasons by the likes of PW Insider, Fightball Select, the, the, it's multiple sources suggest that WWE recognised that they had multiple departments across the promotion effectively doing similar if not the same jobs just for different streams so for example they had a graphics department that was producing graphics for television and a graphics department producing graphics for social media Uh, so what they've decided to do is turn those two graphics departments into one graphics department that works across the entirety of wwe and of course you know, as we, as they did with the uh, NXT staff, they're citing budget cuts and the COVID-19 pandemic as an opportunity to make uh, redundancies to bring the uh, total staff number down, which in turn increases profit- profitability. I can say that, I promise. Uh, so you, you, you did a great job saying that there. Well done. Velveteen Dream. 
we're moving on to our next story, which is all about uh, Patrick Clark, a.k.a. the Velveteen Dream, who was released from WWE earlier this week. So what's the story here, Mitch? Yeah, so it, it was reported on the 20th of May that Velveteen Dream had been released by WWE as part of those uh, previously mentioned NXT cuts. Uh, Dream, real name Patrick Clark, as you say, he confirmed his departure from the company in a lengthy statement posted on his Instagram on Monday the 24th of May. Uh, in that statement, Clark also addressed the allegations of inappropriate conduct towards minors. Uh, these surfaced in March and April of last year. And he claimed those accusations were inaccurate, uh, but he also said they played a big role in the derailment of his push in NXT and led to his eventual departure from the company. Obviously, around the time uh, Clark as Velveteen Dream was involved in a, an NXT title feud with Adam Cole, if I remember correctly, and there were some suggestions that he was going to take the title from from Adam Cole. Uh, a report from Brian Alvarez of Wrestling Observer Radio later in the week would suggest a lack of professionalism backstage by Clark. Shawn Michaels-esque uh, is what led to WWE letting him go. Um, Tom, this is just a this is a story that's rattled on for months. It really is. Um, every time Velveteen Dream returned to TV following these accusations, uh, Twitter would be hit with hashtag fire Velveteen Dream. If it, they're really uh, with with nothing being said really from either party. There was no other way out from this, I do believe, other than to than, than to let him go. And I think that, interestingly, a few people have said, like the the accusations may have been dealt with differently, and 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 a lot of people are saying that the accusations don't weigh into his release. It more comes down to his his conduct backstage that has rubbed people up the wrong way. Many have described him as being very dismissive, uh, on the border of arrogant, uh, quite often just, just not really seen as a team player. Shawn Michaels-esque uh, was used there. And anybody who is a, 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 a long-suffering wrestling fan will know Shawn Michaels of sort of the mid to late 90s, who was uh, a, a re- very much the, every bit the prima donna backstage and uh, rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way with with things surrounding the click and just a just a general vibe and a vibe that he was better than everybody else refusing to work with some people refusing to and we're not suggesting that all of these are tributes of Velveteen Dream but that the, the fact that you're being compared to Shawn Michaels during his his biggest dickheaded time in WWE is not a, a strong thing uh, for Patrick Clark it really does not bode well at all many people have said uh, that just n- not the nicest person to be around behind the scenes. Uh, Patrick Clark breaking his silence, as we've said there, uh, ad- for the first time addressing some of these accusations. Do you believe, Mitch, that if Patrick Clark had addressed these allegations sooner, that things might be different? Cool. That's a that's a tricky question. Tom. Yeah. I, I, I understand why you ask it, and I think... There are elements of the allegations against Patrick Clark, who has every right to defend himself. And obviously, we, we want to stress that these are allegations and nothing has been proven in a court of law. Absolutely. Um, he has the right to defend himself. But I think the nature of the allegations, in my opinion, probably sealed his fate a little bit. I think we've seen from general fan, as you rightly said, every time Belting Dream resurfaced on WWE television throughout 2020, he was last seen uh, in December, just before Christmas, I believe. 
the hashtag would invariably trend on Twitter. Um, it, it got to a point where we're not even talking about wrestling heat or, or getting over or any of these you know, wrestling terms that people like to throw around. This is a individual that wrestling fans no longer wanted as a part of the WWE product on a personal level because of the allegations levied against him. Now, these allegations, given how serious they are, I'm of the opinion, need to be proven one way or another. And I think everyone would agree with that, and that needs to be done in, the, in an appropriate way. It was a topic of conversation a lot during Triple H's regular NXT media calls. And you could hear, I don't want to call it frustration on Triple H's part, but he got tired of talking about it, you know, in the sense of he always, his, his line was the same, WWE have conducted our own investigation and, and concluded our own, you know, we've got our own findings from this. Could Velveteen Dream have survived this? If he'd addressed it earlier, it probably would have helped. He had more chance, but probably not. Who the hell are you? <laughs> Who am I? I'm Rick Boogs. That's B-O-O-G-S. And I came to rock with the real king of SmackDown, Shinsuke Nakamura. Boogs. Thank you, Boots! What a treat this is! Oh my god! Uh, a subject that kind of comes up every month. I feel like there's 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 some warmth to it this time, but uh, some caution. I think with with NXT and call-ups, it's always a funny time. So we're getting reports this month from numerous sources of more call-ups from NXT to Raw and SmackDown. Mitch, what's the story? Yeah, so multiple NXT superstars are reportedly set to be called up to the WWE main roster in the near future. That's according to a report that surfaced on Tuesday, the 24th of May, from our friends at Fightful. They say there are plans in place for a number of names from both NXT and NXT UK to be moved to either Raw or SmackDown in the very near future. Now, there is no word on who specifically is going to get the call up, uh, nor indeed how many NXT talent will be making that move. Uh, but it has led to superstars speculating amongst themselves regarding who's going to get that phone call. Um, the report does go on to suggest that many of the coming call ups have been in the works for a number of weeks, which both suggests a drastic shakeup of talent across all three brands and also a bit of long-term booking, Tom. Oh, I won't go that far. I'm very... <laughs> I'm worried. I'm worried. <laughs> um, one of those names that has come up in this, uh, on uh, the day of recording, uh, the news has come out via wrestle votes about Finn Balor. Finn Balor, who went down to NXT just before they went live, on the, just as part of the... the the moving on to the USA network and has done some really solid work, uh, not only on him, on himself and on his in-ring stuff, like he was great, but he somehow become greater uh, and uh, working with, with some really good up and coming guys as well and helping get them over too. Uh, WrestleVotes reported that the, the raw creative team have been asking for a while now to have Finn Balor up on Monday night raw 
And the the general consensus is NXT don't want to let him go. And they've said, unless you've got some solid plans for Finn Balor, he's perfectly happy where he is. I mentioned this in the news video. Um, Do you, like I, Mitch, think that this is a damning indictment of the the developmental system? The fact that you've got a roster of people that simply know what happens the majority of the time they get called up and either don't want to get called up or get calls from people on the main roster who say they want to come to NXT. This is a damning indictment of the system, isn't it? Oh, the system's backwards. Yeah! You've got people that on the supposed main roster, the show where every young wrestling fan wants to perform, they want to step, you know, quote-unquote, back down. Now, I think any any wrestling fan would argue the notion that NXT is a step down. I, I would still say it's the one of the better pure wrestling shows out there certainly one of the best ones that wwe has to offer um and you know we mentioned we joked about long-term booking earlier but my goodness at least you can see a thread through the program at least you can see what they're trying to do with most storylines and and you talk about finn balor there and a reluctance from nxt creative and nxt personnel on letting him go to monday night raw which arguably is probably the least consistent of the three main wwe shows at the moment I wouldn't be surprised if that was Triple H himself, because we've seen quotes in the last few days from uh, the former Alexander Wolf, who you yourself have interviewed, Tom, um, in regard to Triple H's uh, frustrations with how sanity was used on the main roster. Um, he, he felt like that call-up was for no reason other than just doing a call-up. So I wouldn't be surprised if this was Triple H himself saying, you're not having him back if you don't know what you're doing with him. And that's a wise call from Triple H if that is indeed the case. You know, keep keep your guys safe. Let's play uh let, let let's play fantasy booker though, bitch. So let's take a look at that NXT roster, a really strong NXT roster oh, at incredible. the moment. Is there anybody who you think would be a great fit on either Raw or SmackDown? Or maybe both? As much as we've just discussed him, I would like to see Balor make a move back to one of the two brands. I'm not too sure which one. Um, I would love to see Bad Guy Balor on the main roster because it's something we haven't seen before. As much as we know the main roster needs uh, faces at the moment, um, I think this run for Finn's been the best of his WWE career. He's playing that kind of, I, I don't like the term tweener, but he is kind of playing that. He can he can easily fit into what the story needs him to do. Uh, Adam Cole would be the obvious one. They don't seem to have anything really planned for him the moment and again i think he would be a, a, a strong addition to either i'd love to see him on smackdown i think he'd probably end up going to raw just because they probably need that that star power a little bit and the one i would really like to see because not not because i think he's floundering on nxt just because he's peaked on nxt i want to see tomaso champa on the main roster i think he would be I think he's got it. I think he has really got it for the main roster, particularly if you can get back it. And it's difficult about crowds, but if you can get back that heel heat he had at the peak of his rivalry with Johnny Gargano, do you remember how the hatred oh. he had when there was like he didn't Amazing. even have his entrance music? Oh my, he was. Ah, oh, you despised him. I and I want 
I think Tommaso Ciampa has just, I think he's got it. And I could see him on SmackDown. Well, well Ciampa's one of those guys who has, who has outwardly said, I don't want to go up. I want to stay here. I'm, I'm fine here. Like, and, and again, it's, and you're, I agree with you. Like he would light up things on Raw and SmackDown, but it's another sad indictment of the development system where one of your guys is, is more than ready to go. Like he's white hot, ready to go. And he's like, mm, no, I'm fine here. I can kind of understand it from Champa to a little bit because he is another, you know, a professional wrestler that's got a young family who has had his history of, of, of injuries. And we know the NXT travel schedule isn't quite as, as hectic as the main roster schedule. So maybe it's it's something to do with that more so than performing at that level. But, you know, these guys have to, they have to do what's right for them, but they also have to do what they're told because they're employees at the end of the day. <laughs> Uh, just to look, looking at the roster for NXT in terms of people who I'd love to see get the get the call up. I'm going to throw uh, three three people at or three sets of people maybe at you. Uh, Pete Dunne, I think, is is ready to go on that main roster, and I think it's only a matter of time before Dunne goes up again. Somebody else who is just just at the point now where he's done everything but win the NXT title. I feel like he's. Uh, He'd be a great fit for the roster, probably on SmackDown, where it's a bit more work rate. Um, I would love to see a bit of an outsider. I'd like to see Legado del Fantasma get called up. I think that, you know, you're looking for those hot Mexican stars to build brands around. I think Santos Escobar, Raul Mendoza and Wacking Wild would, would do some really good stuff, maybe as part of Monday Night Raw, uh, you know, c- causing some some mischief on there would be great. I'd love to see that. Uh, and this is a real wild card one. I don't see it happening. It depends on, you know, how happy my mate Ollie is living living in, in the Northeast. But uh, I'd love to see Rampage getting a call up. Like it's a Ooh. it's a real out there choice, but Rampage Brown is 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 the is the real deal. And yeah. whether or not he gets a call from NXT UK via the main NXT roster, sorry NXT UK, it is NXT US is the main roster. Um, mm. Getting a call via there and then moving up to other stuff. I think that he's got the size and the ability to really make an impact on Raw or SmackDown. You know. Yeah. I, I would love to see that too. And I agree with you, Tom. He's a lovely bloke. We had the opportunity to interview Rampage in, earlier this month. And oh, what a, what an absolute gent. You can listen back and watch that interview back at cultaholic.com right now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The news broke earlier today that starting in July, the WWE will be leaving the Thunderdome and returning back to the road, back where we belong, back to you. Woo! WWE and AEW getting back on the road in July. What's the story here, Mitch? As you say, Tom, both AEW and WWE confirmed during May that they would be returning to events with live attendances in July. AEW announced on the 10th of May they would be conducting what they're calling a welcome back tour in Florida and Texas with free live Dynamite shows on the 7th, 14th and 21st of July. Uh, the crowd also welcoming back a full crowd uh, attendance at Double or Nothing, uh, which will have been yesterday on Sunday the 30th of May. Um WWE have also confirmed their return to live events. Uh, they made that announcement on the 21st of May. They've announced a 25-city tour that begins on Friday the 16th of July. And other promotions have also confirmed July returns, MLW and Ring of Honor. Great to see wrestling getting back uh, once again. Uh, a lot of people have said that WWE's plans were brought forward because of AEW. Some people have said WWE's plans have been brought forward because of pressure from Fox. Which do you think is more likely to be true here, Mitch? I reckon it's both. Bit of both. Bit of column I, A, bit of column I reckon, B. I reckon there has been pressure from Fox, but I, if, but I think the AEW news has probably sparked them into life more. So not WWE doesn't care about pressure from television networks because they ultimately pay the bills and keep the lights on but oh, it, that's a it's not a good sign when a, a your biggest rival promotion that's been around for two and a half years at this point Something two years like at this point that, yeah is is getting back to doing what you've done for the better part of three decades before you are and yeah. you can imagine that's going to be upsetting certain big wigs over in Stanford. Oh, now, you know it's putting a bee in the bonnet. You know it's putting a bee in the bonnet. You, you know that on the, what day was that? So AEW announced on the 10th of May. You know on the 11th of May about 7 o'clock in the morning, there was a, a an urgent meeting put in in the boss's uh, office. Um, so I think that would have been the bigger, the, the real big push for WWE because all reports were that WWE were going to get back for SummerSlam, which would have been another month. Nick Khan uh, actually said after WrestleMania, he said, like, next time we're not going to come back for random one-offs. When we're back, we're back. And he was kind of hinting towards SummerSlam being that first trip back. But uh, that has been uh, has been brought forward. And, and here we are now. Regardless of uh, th those summer tours for both WWE and AEW, it will be AEW. AEW, by now, by the time you're hearing this, have already welcomed back a live crowd with uh, full attendance for Double or Nothing uh, just this past Sunday. Um, looking ahead, uh, what do you think WWE can do differently now they're back on the road after a year and a bit working under 
the pandemic era, as it's better known. Is there any learns that they can take from this all, Mitch? I'm interested to see how certain WWE superstars react to being back in front of a live crowd. And I found comments from the likes of Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins, Bailey, all these superstars that have done interviews in the last couple of months in regard to returning very interesting because all of them have said that whilst live crowds have been missed, and understandably, I mean, goodness me, WrestleMania, I don't know about you, Tom, I got emotional. Oh, mate, I, I goosebumps watching that oh, again. Honestly, tears tears in my eyes, although that might have been because it was my fourth night shift in a row. You were heavily um, drunk. I was absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, boss. Um, they've Back on topic, they've all, they've all said that there are significant learnings and arguably positives to the Thunderdome environment, i.e. Steph Rollins said something along the lines of, it allows us to tell more detailed and concise stories as characters. Uh, it's permitted someone like Drew McIntyre to quote-unquote get over in a different way because he's had to interact with cameras. You know, He said himself, he did something at WrestleMania 36 that no one's been allowed to do before, and that's break the fourth wall. He looked down the camera and thanked the fans at home. Um, so I'm hoping WWE doesn't forget about the home audience because they've got a live crowd. That's not to say the live crowd shouldn't be celebrated because ultimately they pay the ticket to go in and that's the fun. There's a video essay on Cultaholic's YouTube channel that, that went out over the weekend. It's something I put together about sort of the, the pandemic era and what they did right, what they did wrong. And, and I talked at the end about things they can do going forward to, to change up how they do things. And, and I think we are long beyond that time now where we run the roster ragged where we have wrestlers working six days a week, 350 days a year, you never see your family and all of that jazz. I think I don't think that's necessary anymore. I don't think those house shows and with, with and, I, and I mean this with love, like I've lived in small market towns and, and, and small markets where when we have to travel to like the next big city to see stuff, but we don't need like a SmackDown house show at back end of nowhere wyoming anymore we don't need that no. anymore i think that if if wwe have proved that they can run two three shows a week maybe four with a pay-per-view and still make bank uh which says to me that they that's a really good point Tom. they don't need like house shows scattered in there i don't think they i don't think the even before the pandemic we saw that house show business was down in 2019 uh, adam and i on the news videos back when we could sit next to each other we'll do that again soon i promise um but we would talk about how like house shows would get cancelled and consolidated simply because they weren't people weren't going anymore i don't think we need a live circuit like we did in the 80s and the 90s and big part of the noughties. I don't think we need it anymore. I think we need a Raw, we need an NXT, we need a SmackDown and a pay-per-view live that week. I think by doing that, you keep the roster healthier, both sort of emotionally and physically and also mentally. You know, you're I, I, keeping them healthy. Tom I, don't, Tom, I don't disagree. And I think you're absolutely right. It shouldn't be a case of working 300 dates a year anymore because it's been proven that WWE don't need to do that. They met, they posted record profits in a year without live events. But, but there it is. There is an element of, and again, some superstars will tell you, it is on those live events where one, they have the most fun and two, they get an, an opportunity to hone and practice their craft in a way that they don't on a television set. Um, 
you've got if you've got a slightly more inexperienced take the Miz's 24 documentary that came out last month mm. he says that he learned what it meant to be a WWE superstar working house show events for a year with John Cena now that's not going to be that John Cena is going to return to house show events but that is where a lot of these superstars learn what it means to as Cena himself said in an interview a couple of years ago play jazz you know listen to the crowd react tell stories in the ring so I think there may need to be a compromise somewhere, in my opinion. You're absolutely right. That's don't a good shout. Don't put them on the road 300 days a year. But what about around maybe your big four pay-per-view events, you do a tour, and then you've got the European and worldwide tours as well. Yeah, that's. I mean, that. I mean, that's a pro, that's a model that they used back in like the in the 90s, where you had like the, was, yeah. the WrestleMania Revenge Tour and the, the SummerSlam Revenge Tour, and they did things like that. I think that's a much healthier model than than touring around the year. I think that's. Did you ever go to a, a, a WrestleMania Revenge Tour? Oh, Tom? great question. I'm trying. I I think I might have done, which sounds like a weird thing to say, but I think the first one of the first wrestling shows I ever went to. I have a very hazy memory of because I would have been probably five or maybe six. And my mum and dad surprised us with tickets to the WWF show in Birmingham. And wow. and uh, Brett and Shawn Michaels for the IC title was on the card. I, I know that much by looking back at the card, but I don't remember watching it. So, I mean, yeah, and, the, and I'm lighting up talking about it. I'm not saying that they didn't have a, a deep joy to me. They really did. I'm just thinking more like, just rather think of the the, the wellness of the uh, of, of the of the roster before giving a five year old boy a pop for a show that he can't remember. And <laughs> uh, what about yourself, sir? I get the vibe that you've got a WrestleMania Revenge Tour story. I I have to give absolute credit to to my mum in this story because it's as I mentioned at the top of the podcast. We grew up in in Somerset and we got WrestleMania Revenge Tour tickets in i want to say 2005 okay and the only tickets we could get were in hull oh hull from somerset is a good five hour drive i want to say i've never done it myself but god bless her my mum has and she took me and my school friend to hull and back in a weekend to watch i i think batista against triple h and rick flair and a handicap match uh, Shawn Michaels and Kane did some form of no holes barred match or something along those lines. So, Mum, if you're listening, and I know you will be because God <laughs> love you, um, thank you for that because that was incredible. Well done, Mitch's mum. Big love to big love to Mitch's mum taking him on the revenge tour. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds so weird when you say it like that. <laughs> well, you quite literally <laughs> went to Holland back. So, yay! <laughs> AEW put on blood and guts this month, uh, the highlight of which was the final moments that saw Jericho take a fall that has been covered on everything from Digital Spy to Botchamania. Mitch, what's the story? Absolutely, Tom, as we know, uh, AEW... A&W, AEW, that's the coffee getting to me. AEW <laughs> presented Blood and Guts on Wednesday, the 5th of May. Uh, the show was built around, as you say, the titular match, which put Chris Jericho and the inner circle against MGF and the Pinnacle. Uh, the Blood and Guts element was live, but the first hour of the show was pre-taped, which in itself caused a couple of uh, issues. I think five people in the end got refunds. Uh, the match itself was generally quite well received, but the biggest talking point was the final spot 
where MJF pushed Jericho off the cage, sending him tumbling into the stage below. He landed on what looked like a crash pad and some cardboard, and AEW's production team received criticism for not disguising the apparatus better. Now, unfortunately, with this one, um, the commentary didn't help. It, we kind of had memories of the the closing moments to the barbed wire death match from AEW pay-per-view beforehand, in which the commentators in this instance talked about, quote-unquote, the concrete stage. The And the, the moment you say that stage is concrete, and you know someone's going through it and it's blatantly cardboard. Had they, I do believe, had they not mentioned the material that the stage may or may not have been made out of, they might have got away with it. But as it turned out, that it was it was decorated to look like steel with apparently concrete underneath it. And as soon as Jericho took a fall through it, it was very obvious that it was padding and there was it was cardboard that had been painted. Now, at no point... Uh, I, I just a lot of people kicked off about this online, but at no point did anybody want Jericho to actually fall onto concrete. Let's let's put that out there, exactly. Mitch. Yeah, you know, we didn't want that, did we? No, of course not. Jericho's a fifty-year-old performer that's been doing this for thirty years. I don't think at any age you'd want to fall onto concrete. To no, be honest, with you. yeah, you make a good point. Hmm. <laughs> But yeah, I don't want to. See, I, I don't want to see people hurt themselves. I don't. You know, these these performers, because they are. That's what they are. They are performers. They literally risk life and limb on a week by week basis. And regardless of what is there as padding, that's still a fifteen to twenty foot backwards fall. That that's terrifying. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that onto a trampoline. <laughs> uh, did you enjoy Blood and Guts? I did, and I say that as someone that. Oh, I'm going to get some hate here. I'm not a regular weekly viewer of All Elite Wrestling. Not because I oppose the product, it's simply because there's so much wrestling to watch and you can only fit so much into your week. But at the times I do watch it, I do enjoy what is what is put out. And I particularly enjoyed Blood and Guts because I thought there was some excellent in-ring storytelling. There was some real minute storytelling, by which I mean very detailed. But you're right, Tom, the, 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 it, the issue itself isn't with the crash map, with the padding, because ultimately, yes, please put that there. Let's save whichever performer, whichever wrestler is taking the hellacious bump. But you touched on it with the commentary and also the camera angles and production. And I think this is just showing a little bit of not naivety, but maybe just some beginning problems for AEW where they just need to work these kinks out. Because unfortunately for them, this has happened now with Blood and Guts and also with the barbed wire death match. Um, where they've failed to maybe adjust on the fly to the story that's being told in the ring. I think, as um, as you said early on there, like this is a company, you know, that will go back to the story about live, returning to live events. This is a company that's only really been around for two and a half years, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Like, And, they, and they're doing big things and they're trying big things. And I would, I've always said I'd rather be... Um, a company that tries something and have it not work than be one that sort of goes, stays very safely on the path. And I, I, you know, I thought the finish was great. I think elements of it could be, could have been it, a lot of it comes down to the production. I think, as you said, that, that no, no issue in Jericho landing safely. I, that has never been an issue, but you could have filmed it in a more, in, in a more intriguing way, in a more vague way that, that you you could have shot it, and I'm not. No, it's been a while since I did film studies A level, but you could have shot it in a way where you had the camera 
sort of pointed up and you see Jericho fall back. You may not necessarily see the entire Jericho landing. Uh, if, you, if you're not sure how it's going to look, don't show the landing. Just so Jericho sort of falling into oblivion and then in a heap on the floor. <clears throat> I think that would have, you'd have still uh, had the same effect there, wouldn't you? I think so. And going back to what you said about the commentary, Tom, I, I don't think there's anything wrong there with if, if you're on commentary saying with, you know, just don't say the word concrete or the word steel or just, oh my goodness, thank goodness there was a little bit of give there. Do you know what I mean? Just I wouldn't have, do you know what? The, the best commentary they could have done, right? The best commentary they could have done, in, in my opinion, as, as, as a Billy Nobody, as a, as a commentator, but um, the best thing they could have done is said nothing. Is just let that moment play out. Ooh, dead air. I like it. I think that the the power of silence is incredibly understated uh, in commentary. I think too many companies try to to talk between every little bit of silence. Uh, I think WWE has got really masterful at being quiet when they need to be, especially with NXT. Like there's those moments where uh, the Johnny Gargano Tommaso Champa heel turn is something that immediately springs to mind, where Champa attacked Gargano and the commentator said nothing. You just watched this all play out in, in with the crowd reaction behind it and nothing else and I really love when the commentators have the power and have the the ability to be able to be silent and know that a moment will play out and I feel like had the commentators just been silent during that fall and let that play I think it would have been fine I, I mean J J it's weird to be talking about commentary issues and not mention Jim Ross I think he's probably quite relieved at that JR wasn't so much an issue here to be fair, but he has yeah. been in the past. <laughs> yeah, and look, I don't want to criticise a, a person that does that job infinitely better than I ever could and has done it for, oh, what, 35 years? Yeah. 30 years? He's been doing it a long while as our boy, Jim. He has. What what a boy. I know we need to move on uh, to other stories, Tom, but just quick question on maybe the booking around this. How did you feel about Jericho being on television the week after? Oh, bad idea. Um, I'd have kept him off for ages. I think bringing him back with just his arm in a sling... I think damaged it. I think you, that I assumed by the fall that Jericho was being written off for a while. There was uh, obviously, you well, know, we know we, as we've we learned, know he's got his Judas tour coming up, and I, I agree with you. For me, I would have perhaps kept him off until double or nothing and had him made his comeback at Stadium Stampede. Yeah, you you could you could have done, or you could have been brave and just had him out of the picture. For uh, I would have maybe had it. So Jericho's gone. Inner Circle continue to fight in his honour. They go to Stadium Stampede and they lose and they disband while Jericho's not there to defend for them. And then six, seven months down the line, as 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 MJF raises that AEW World Title or that AEW TNT Title, that's when you bring back Jericho. That's when he walks out and he's like, well, "While I was gone, everything I ever worked for disappeared. So I'm going to take what you've got." There you go. That's that's fancy booking one hundred and one. That's how I you. Love it. That's how you do it. That's how I. That's 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 one way of doing it anyway. But hmm. it's it's that I. But I think either way, it was a mistake to have him back on TV going, "Hey, jackass!" Like the next week, <laughs> like far far too soon. Well, when I heard that that story was floating around, it is one of the things I chalked up as. We've been very successful, AEW, and with NXT Muted. using the Wednesday Night Wars, that created a lot of anger, and I understand that there's a lot of hardcore NXT and WWE fans out there, and that's why those stor stories like that don't surprise me. I think people need to cling to something, and as sexy as that story is, I talk to Mad Nick every day, 
Uh, I talk to Kenny very often. I support their projects fully. They've been supportive of all my projects. And we would not be able to put this show on the air. Uh, Tony's the man and Tony's the boss. Uh, but we would not be able to put this show on the air if the four of us were not functioning as one team. So we really, unfortunately, it's not very sexy to say, but uh, we're, we're, there's no truth to that. We will remain one team. We're going to stay on AEW for this next story. There's been a lot of conversations around potential heat, some disagreements between the EVPs of AEW. What's the story, Mitch? Yeah, so in the first week of May, some reports began to circulate online and on social media that there was, as you say, heat between AEW executive vice presidents, that's Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks, uh, to the point where some of them were no longer on speaking terms. Uh, while these reports are rumours, an additional report from Justin Powell of ProWrestling.net suggested that a potentially game-changing signing for AEW, uh, I think his exact words were a difference maker, uh, this signing was hesitant to join the promotion because of that reported infighting. Uh, now, obviously, this is a story that has bubbled away under the surface for a couple of weeks. The Young Bucks poked uh, some fun of it on social media. Tom, you were on the AEW Double or Nothing preview media call with Cody Rhodes uh, on Thursday, and he commented on this quite early on. What what did you make of his reaction and, and how he sounded when he was talking about it? So, uh, Jericho, so, so not Jericho, so Cody's words uh, in the, the presser regarding heat between the EVPs, um, he said he chalked it up to their success creating a lot of anger. And he said, quote, as sexy as that sounds... I support their projects fully. Sorry, as sexy as that story is, I support their projects fully. And we wouldn't have put this show on the air if the four of us weren't functioning as one team. There is no truth to that. We are one team and we will remain one team. In terms of like the way he said it, Mitch, um, pretty confident that this was just an overblown story. He was pretty blasé, pretty laissez-faire when describing it. I think maybe he sees it as something that's probably been a little bit blown out of uh, proportion. I think, I think when you work with people, and we mentioned this on the on the news video on Friday, uh, with any people when you work with any friends, there's always going to be disagreements, and I would imagine that people have maybe got a hint of disagreement between them over something or other, and kind of went, oh, there's heat between them. You know, they, it happens when you work with people. There's no doubt been issues within uh, the team at Cultaholic about small things whether you know whether it's 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 how a video is put together stories that we lead to never anything that you know we'd 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 batter each other over or anything like that but with with when you whenever you're working with with people that you like there's always going to be conflicts of interest and i feel like this is one of those things where there has been a conflict of interest on a couple of occasions certainly nothing to to lose sleep over cody very chill about the whole thing when he talked about it on the press call um very confident they're just they're still one team they're still all working towards the same goal i would almost be worried and i would say this about any creative process whether you're a wrestling promotion uh, a media company like we are here at cultaholic um i've been in similar situations in previous jobs i would be worried if you weren't having creative differences because it tells me people don't care if you are letting things slide yeah um i believe that cody kenny and the young bucks all passionately adore wrestling. They perhaps don't look at it in the same way, in, in a way that perhaps me and you, Tom, don't look at professional wrestling in the same way. 
and that's that would be absolutely fine because wrestling is to you what it is to you. Um, and I think it's to to an extent. I think it's great that they're willing to go and back for what they believe in because ultimately that's how you get a good product. And arguably, maybe this is where a certain other promotion is going a little bit wrong. Mm, that's right. Impact. No. Uh, <laughs> MLW. Oh, no, no, poor MLW getting thrown under there. Yeah, yeah. I think a little bit of conflict of interest. Um, as you heard uh, from the from the call itself, it's. Uh, I think it'll blow over. I think it's a blow over. I think it's something or nothing. It's... I think it's something or nothing. I think it's people making a noise about something that doesn't matter. I'm more interested in knowing who this difference making signing might be. Oh, yeah. Now that is an intriguing one, and and that kind of comes down to, you know. Maybe some people being more high on them than others. Uh, possibly somebody from the New Japan side of things. That's uh, just a guess. Mm. Just a shot in the shot in the dark. That one. Yeah, we've we've had no suggestion on who it might be, but it, it's uh, definitely The Rock. <laughs> Stone Cold. It's Stone Steve. Cold. It's Steve. It, what is Ice Cold Stephen Williams doing in the Impact Zone? You are Zhongguo, is Xiao 在速度与激情中我做很多采访很多很多很多所以在一个采访我有一个错误所有人问我如果我可以用中文所有人给我很多资讯 我有一个错误，我必须说现在就是很很很很很重要。我爱更尊重中国，更中国人。我很很抱歉，对呃我的错误，呃，对不起，对不起，我很抱歉，你必须了解，呃，我很爱，很尊重。John Cena's China Crisis. I have to give Mitch credit for that title. Mitch wrote that in the notes. I I, I love it so much. That's on Mitch. Uh, so <laughs> this is a story that it's 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 always interesting when a story within involving wrestling or a wrestler leaves the wrestling news sphere and gets picked up by. Uh, international news outlets uh, i know that here in the uk the guardian of the daily mail have talked on this i know quite a few prominent news platforms have talked on this in the states as well uh, what's the story here mitch yeah so john cena picked up international headlines around you know just around the world when he issued an apology to the people of china on tuesday the 25th of may uh, for describing taiwan as a country uh, Cena was speaking to TVBS uh, to promote Fast and Furious 9. And in that interview, he said that Taiwan was, quote unquote, the first country to watch the film. Uh, a clip of Cena's comments received nearly 3 million views on Chinese social media platform Weibo. And that led to Chinese media calling for an apology from the actor and former WWE champion. Now, I don't want to get too much into political spheres and, and democracy, but Beijing argues that democratically run Taiwan is part of its territory. Uh, in recent years, China has increased diplomatic pressure both on Taiwan and other nations that recognize Taiwan's legitimacy. Uh, Cena's apology, which was posted on his official Weibo account and featured him speaking direct to camera in Mandarin, uh, that's reportedly not been well received by Chinese uh, his Chinese fan base. 
because basically they're saying that he hasn't specified exactly what he's apologizing for and he hasn't explicitly declared that Taiwan is a Chinese territory. Uh, it's also not been well received by WWE officials, which is very interesting given a report about his impending return to the promotion. We talked in the news at the end of last week that John Cena was set to headline SummerSlam 2021. It doesn't seem like this story is going to damage that in any way, Mitch. I, I don't think it will because John Cena's international appeal is undwindling. When you have got a star like John Cena, you utilise him as much as you can and with respect, damn to anything else. And I don't mean that John Cena is uh, he is um, not subject to criticism when he messes up or makes mistakes, um, but WWE have, with John Cena, a very, very rare star. And they are going to utilise him to the best of their ability whenever they can. Now, as you said there, Mitch, uh, the apology split opinion within his Chinese fan base and saying with you know many people saying that he didn't explicitly state what he was apologizing for nor did he correct himself uh, a lot of people have also said that he shouldn't have apologized at all cm punk took it as an opportunity to needle john cena by changing his bio to say simply taiwan is a country and it's there's been a few people that have spoke out and said you know i've this has turned me off John Cena because an opportunity to to make a very strong political statement, he's chosen to instead apologise for offence and you know, and, and to, to, to kind of paraphrase what some people have gone uh, gone with is take the money and you know as opposed to upsetting a major part of his of his fan base. I'm not asking you to choose a side here, Mitch. Don't panic. I'm not, I'm not leading into that. I'm not leading into that. But it, it, it is interesting how at this point, I think that whilst he will be fine throughout this, I don't think there was a really a right thing John Cena could have done here. I think whichever route he took, I think he was going to be damned if he didn't, damned if he didn't. Completely agree. John Cena in his apology made reference to, he, he had received some... Uh, People may not know this, so I'll, I'll uh, give a little bit of context. When an uh, actor or a, a sports individual does a, an interview, they tend to have a member of the company's PR team with them, and they're giving them notes before the interview. And my goodness, I feel for these people because I've been someone giving athletes notes before, and you give them so much to take in in, in a two-minute window that they're never going to remember it all. John Cena made reference to being given notes by a member of the Fast and Figurious 9 PR team and just basically forgetting them. Um, so I do feel for him in that regard. Um, something I'm going to say about John Cena here is John Cena is not afraid to make a political statement. And I refer back to his refusal to go to Saudi Arabia in, I want to say, 2018. He was one of the first to, not publicly, but declare his intention within WWE in the uh, aftermath of the reports of the journalist being murdered. Uh, that he would not be going to Saudi Arabia, and he hasn't done so since. Um, so he's not afraid to make a stand when he believes it's needed. When when it comes to Fast and Furious Nine, partic you know, in particular the Fast and Furious franchise, that is huge in China. It is massive. It it makes so much money in that Asian market. There will be something somewhere in John Cena's contract 
some wording where he cannot have done anything that is to the detriment of the product or its potential revenue. Whatever your opinion on John Cena's apology, I believe, just from my sort of knowledge of how PR works and, and how these sort of things work, there will be something in John Cena will have been obligated to do that. Okay, we'll keep you up to date with that one at cultaholic.com. Let's end on zombies. This is just, uh, uh, the zombie just prevented. Oh my God. I'm having flashbacks to Monroeville Mall. Miz now just throwing hands at anything that moves. In the meantime, though, yeah, the Miz and Priest fighting the same enemy. And here's the key for you're going to focus on winning the match rather than focus on all these distractions. How do you not focus on zombies, Virk? So, uh, opinion divided across the wrestling world. Quite a lot of uh, meme-based goodness from this one. WrestleMania Backlash featured uh, a match designed to heavily promote Dave Bautista's latest movie product. And in doing so, left us all scratching our heads a little bit. What's the story here, Mitch? (laughs) What a story to end on. What a story to end on. WWE presented to us WrestleMania Backlash on Sunday, the 16th of May. And you know what? It was generally a very good show. It was a good show. Many people saying it was the best WWE product of the pandemic era. And I I would be inclined to agree with some of those matches. But as you say, one notable objection is the use of zombies as the lumberjacks in the match between Damian Priest and The Miz. Now, WWE reportedly received a seven-figure fee for finding a way to incorporate the Undead Horde into the event. Uh, As you say, Tom, it served as an advertisement for Zack Snyder's newest movie, Army of the Dead, which stars impending WWE Hall of Famer Dave Bautista. Uh, this was interesting. <laughs> I, I found this very... I can. I didn't watch WrestleMania Backlash Live. I watched it first thing Monday morning. The, the wonderful team over at coldtoilet.com covered the event. Thank you, uh, Aiden. Um, but it's it's worth noting in this match that it wasn't without its downsides apart from the zombies because it's the Miz picked up his first major injury of his career as well, a torn ACL apparently, which if it's a complete tear will keep him out of action for the remainder of the year. So it's a good thing WWE got a good fee for it because they may have lost one of their most consistent performers. Yes, the Miz's first injury as a result of the zombie lumberjack match. Um, I'm gutted for him because, like I said, he's got all his oh, entire yeah. career without anything major like this. It was kind of something that he marketed himself on a little bit mm. as being like the safest worker in WWE. And, and yeah, well, he hasn't hurt anybody, but he certainly injured himself. And, and his ACL is it's a tear for the ACL, as you say, out of action until 2022, more than likely. Let's talk about this match. Seven figures for a a zombie-themed lumberjack match uh, with Dave Batista on Twitter and giving us the details on this one, saying uh, the whole the whole pay per view was was very heavily promoting Army of the Dead. Like the opening video package featured clips and music from Army of the Dead. Uh, the match was zombies, which had uh, you know all the Thunderdome screens changed to this sort of apocalyptic background from Army of the Dead. And just in case you weren't sure what it was advertising, post match, Damian Priest walks up the ramp. 
fires his invisible arrow at the Tron above the ring and the words Army of the Dead on Netflix appear on the screen. I, you know, I know people that deal in subtext, so they're all cowards. Uh, it's, <laughs> it was just, it was incredibly, uh, in, in my, I, I know I said earlier about Jericho's fault. It's, it's all good to try stuff. I'd rather be well, a company that tries stuff and it doesn't scan um, than not try stuff. This was, for me, this was really obnoxious over like obnoxious promotion you know it, it makes all those youtubers sponsored by raid shadow legends look pale in comparison to you know and, and and don't get me wrong raid shadow legends if you are listening i'm happy to be sponsored by raid shadow legends but um, the, the match itself there was i didn't ungraded i didn't grade it because there wasn't much of a match to grade it just it was kind of a a, a fair to middling match featuring Featuring zombies. <laughs> because of I really, I, I don't know how I feel about this, Tom. I nearly want. I really wanted to say to you as we got onto this. I don't care, but that doesn't sound good on a podcast. Yeah, I, no, but I get it, it. I get. I think it's an important part. Do, do we think that WWE are are too invested now in in outside this, money this, being made? Yeah, I can understand. Again, it's apparently it's another you know reportedly it's another Nick Khan deal. Um, mm. And look. Anything that makes your company money internally is a good thing. Um, but if this was a one-off, it's excuse, excusable is the wrong word. It can be forgotten. Not forgiven, but I think it can be moved on. But it's never a one-off with WWE. They've, this is going to be a thing now. I'm very worried when they come to promoting films or television series. or And I'm fine with it because ultimately it's a... On television, it's effectively a free-to-watch show, Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown. And these shows, they're free to watch and they will promote their own products and absolutely fine. It's how you make money, advertisements at the end of the day. Yes. I have a, li- I have a little issue with it being on a WWE Network event because ultimately we pay a subscription fee for the network and you're still getting these big advertisements, but that's a whole other conversation. It's never a one-off when it comes to WWE. And what's been proven now is it's doable and that they can do it in a way that, I mean, as you rightly said, Tom, Damien Priest points at the sky with his imaginary arrow and the the, 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 the words are there. That's what every company is <laughs> going to want, want now. I cannot wait for Hell in a Cell when the WWE Championship match is sponsored by ExpressVPN. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Pringles Hot and Tangy Hell in a Cell. <laughs> Oh, Look, it, it's 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 frustrating, but it's it's just a sign of the world we're in now. It's, it's a sign of the world we're in now. Zombies are the sign of the world that we're in now. Uh, uh, just a quick one. No, no shame if you didn't know this, but did you spot the WWE legend among the zombies, Mitch? Was it Hurricane Helms? It wasn't Hurricane Helms. It was, in fact, oh. Scotty Too Hotty. Yay! Turn it up! Turn it well and truly up. The zombie that appears behind the announce table uh, is Scott Taylor, a.k.a. Scotty Too Hotty. What a treat. What a treat. What a man. I want to take an opportunity while we're discussing WrestleMania zombies and then we're never going to mention it again. Are we thanking your mum again? No, my mum's not involved in the WrestleMania backlash zombies. That I know of. Um, Our our own Jack King wrote a wonderful feature on this element uh, of WWE WrestleMania backlash. And I can't do it justice in what I'm talking about here. So please go to the features tab on coldholic.com to check it out. Because 
Jack's a wonderful presenter, but he's a very understated writer. He's a very talented writer. Please check out his work. Jack King has a, a wonderful recurring article at cultaholic.com, as Mitch said. Also at cultaholic.com, you'll find a bunch of quizzes. <laughs> One of our newest features on cultaholic.com. We like to test your memory. Uh, yeah, please come and check them out. I, yeah, Tom, you look like you've got something uh, in store for me. Well, I love these quizzes. On the way back from uh, my spa weekend the other week, uh, on the train, like Alex was, she won't mind me saying, she's a bit hungover. Um, and so she was sleeping most of the way back. So I spent most of it doing these quizzes. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a wrestling brain. So what we're going to do, Mitch, is I want to test you on one of your cultaholic quizzes. Oh, okay. Okay, go on then. So, if you're not familiar with these, you can go to the quizzes tab at cultaholic.com and there's a whole bunch of quizzes where you have to name uh, as many wrestlers as you can under a certain theme. You see, can you name all the WWE champions? Can you name uh, every participant uh, in a, at the Insurrection pay-per-view in the UK? Can you name everyone that's competed for the NXT title? Or, Mitch Wadden, can you name all the casket matches in WWE history? Oh, I will certainly give it a good go. Now, on the quiz, it normally gives you five minutes to name 40 wrestlers. Uh, I am going to give you 60 seconds, Mitch. Oh, no. Okay. All right. Okay, let's give this a go. 60 seconds to name as many casket match competitors as you can, and your time starts now. Well, we'll start with The Undertaker. He definitely competed in most of them. 17 out of 40. Well done. Next name. Kane. Kane's a good shout. 20 out of 40. Next name. This quiz went out on the anniversary of this one, so it will be Goldust. Oh, beautiful work. 21 out of 40. Next name. Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. That is 22 out of 40. Next name. Uh, Orton. Randall, Randall, Keith. Randall, Keith. 23 out of 40. Next name. 30 seconds. Triple H. Triple H. 25 out of 40. Next name. Rock. The Rock. 26 out of 40. Next name. Mankind. Mankind. 20. No, no, no. None for Mankind, apparently. Oh, Yokozuna. Yokozuna. That'll give you two. A 28 out of 40. 10 seconds to go. Next name. Oh, I'm struggling now. I'm struggling. Who else could be Oh, uh, Daniel Bryan did against Kane once. Daniel Bryan. 29 out of 43. Two, one. Hold your mic. Too late. Your time is up. That was just after the time. 29 out of 40, though, Mitch. Good okay. shout. The names you missed included Kamala, Karma yeah. Mustafa, King Mabel, Midian and Viscera. They did a handicap one against Triple H. Uh, Mark Henry, Bob Orton. I, I, that actually counted with the Randy Orton one, so that's fine. The Big okay. Show. And this slipped my mind in 2008, Chavo Guerrero. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's see, I made that quiz and I forgot them, so that's really embarrassing. But there we go. <laughs> Test your luck. These things happen. Test your luck on other quizzes right now at cultaholic.com. This has been uh, your cultaholic.com wrestling top ten. Mitch Warden, thank you for joining me today, sir. Tom, it's been great fun. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm already looking forward to doing this again in June. I'm not. <laughs> you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 